Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Welcome back. We have another episode with Chaz on the podcast. Say hello. Hello. How are we? Uh, so, <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> Why did I say how are we? Yeah. yeah. It was just like, it reminded me of when we were at the cafe yesterday and the guy was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, how are you? And it was just like, uh-huh. oh, okay. Where do we go from here? Yeah. Um, so... I wanted to cover a reel that I had done on Instagram, which surprisingly got a crazy amount of views considering I didn't follow any of the supposed Instagram algorithm rules for reels. And it was, it was all about venting in partnerships. And I had, I had a lot of comments on it as well, and I had someone ask for us to do a podcast on it, and so this is what we're going to do today. Um, if you haven't seen the reel, I recommend checking it out because it's just like it's really poking fun at um, couples when venting occurs, and the person who's venting doesn't get what they need, and how the listening partner feels. And I've definitely been the person that was the venter for a long time. And I was thinking about where that came from and I remember as a teenager when my mum would come home, she would vent like all her day to me and thinking about it, it wasn't necessarily like just that she was venting. I think if there was big things that occurred for her, she wouldn't actually say them to me. It was more just like a, a plead for emotional connection and I think that sometimes people use venting as a way to connect with their partner at the end of the day, which isn't the greatest because it it's a very heavy and somewhat negative way to connect with somebody, in my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, really what I wanted to touch on today was how we can depend on our partners for emotional support. And sometimes... It, it is important in a partnership to be able to depend on each other. But if you're using your partner as your sole emotional support tool, that's where it kind of gets a bit tricky, in my opinion. Yeah, and I guess it's good to point out also that like venting isn't always a bad thing. There's There are appropriate times to vent and you should have the ability to go to your partner and say what poor experiences happened throughout your day. Um, and a lot of the time that is what venting is, is, um, it's every day too. yeah, it's, it, people who are venting, like something troubling has happened during their day. They've experienced something that hasn't felt right for them. Um, and they've had to deal with that and they, they just want to simply be heard and share that experience with you. And I think a lot of the time they probably just want to like have an interesting conversation um, and they don't really know how to like maybe get get this thing off their, their chest and it just like comes out like rapid fire. Right. So like even like, for instance, the c- 
conversation they could be having could actually be interesting. But because they haven't dealt with the emotional shit that's actually happened during the day, they're carrying that with them in the conversation and they're more likely to get fired up. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Because yeah. they're kind of still in like defense mm-hmm. over what whatever's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, especially if you have to work in like an area where you're dealing with people all the time or you have to have some kind of customer service face. Oh, yeah. Y- yeah. yeah. It's a horrible situation to be in if someone's being like quite rude to you. Mm. And there's no real way with you getting a resolution in that situation without getting yourself fired in some sense right because it's like always the customer's always right and so you kind of have to just like say f you to your own soul in that moment Mm -hmm. and just like swallow your pride down and just try and be the better person even though someone's like being quite rude with you and like it's not in a normal situation in day to day, you might be like, you might actually call them out. You're like, hey, you're, you're being quite rude to me. I, I'm not going to tolerate that. Mm-hmm. Like this conversation stops. And you probably could do that in a, a, um, a work environment. But the thing is, is also if you get a reputation for doing that all the time to people, um, I, I couldn't really see if it was a heavy customer service role or a sales role or like a Maybe it's a call center or, or whatever it would be. Like when you're engaging with people like that and you did that all the time, you're probably not going to have a very good turnover on on profits or, or sales or whatever it is for your business. And so being like that sometimes is a necessity. Um, and when you trade in your soul to be like that out of necessity for your work. Too much. Too often. Too often. Um, you're definitely going to bring that home with you. And yeah, you're going to carry the emotional charge with you still because you didn't get to have that outlet. And so your partner or friend, whoever it might be that's on the other end of the conversation ends up copying um, what seems like a lot of charge. But at the same time, it could be like a very, like it could be an interesting situation. Like if something wild and different happened in that, like that conversation could be like pretty interesting. Um, but if it, when like those kind of sort situations pop up in those kind of environments, they tend to not be very interesting. They tend to be kind of mundane. Mm-hmm. And if you hear them a lot from whoever's venting to you over and over and over, the other person on the end is just kind of like getting it. They get into problem solving mode because they get sick of hearing the same rubbish from you. It's not even, yes, yes. If it's happening all the time, they are getting sick of hearing the exact same rubbish from you. But it's also literally the listening partner is just trying to help. Like they see that you're suffering and they just want to help you. Yeah. Oh, no, they definitely, they definitely want to help. I guess we haven't really gotten to that, but, um, like how how the person receiving the vent and their response will dictate whether the conversation ends up in a negative or positive manner. And I think the, the biggest takeaway f- from someone who is venting um, or is a venter is if you're on the receiving end of a venter, that person just wants to be heard and their experience to be heard and they don't want you to actually give any necessarily advice um, or give them answers to their problem um they're just trying to get rid of that emotional charge that they've they've taken on throughout the day and they they need to get that off their chest 
what the downside to that is, is the person who's receiving the vent has now just got that emotional discharge put onto them mm-hmm. and now they feel a bit stressed. Yeah. And so it, it's it's in some sense not fair on that person to receive that from another person without them being able to also take action on it, right? And so by the person who's receiving a vent, mm. by them giving you a answer to your problem, that's also them being allowed to be like, this is how I would deal with the problem and remove the emotional discharge for them. Yeah. And so they're trying to help you, but they're also trying to get their own out. Yeah. And by doing that, it alleviates the situation for them. But unfortunately, it'll end the conversation in a negative way because the other person doesn't want to hear a lot of the time the answer to their problem. They're just trying to get rid of the discharge. I actually really, and you've been alluding to this and you even said it in one of the first things that you said was the idea that the person venting just wants to be heard. And this, all of us innately want to be seen and we want to be heard and we want to be understood. And what I have taken from experiences where I've vented and I've gotten upset that Chaz perhaps has given me answers and I've just wanted him to listen, I've actually realized it's a reflection of what I, as the venter, am not giving myself. I'm not allowing myself to, like, witness the state that I'm in. I'm, like, people, when when you're carrying, when you're, like, stressed, right, and you might be churning it over and over and over in your head, but you're not actually dealing with the emotion of it all. And when you're venting, you're trying to deal with the emotion with somebody else. You're trying to get them to deal with the emotion with you. And so like that, my, that's my biggest takeaway and probably my biggest point to anybody who is a serial venter or who vents a lot is recognizing that when you get upset that the other person isn't hearing you, it's because you're not hearing yourself. You're not actually allowing yourself to to process and deal with the emotions first. And so venting can actually, like Chaz said, not necessarily be a negative thing. It can be a positive thing to me if you are able to deal with your emotions first. In saying that, that requires a bit of discipline to, as soon as you come home, not just lay it all out on the table first time you see your partner, and Chaz, I've seen you do this multiple times. I, you've come home in a state where I'm like, oh, something's off. But you say hello. I say hello. I don't question you. And you go straight outside to the gym and you work out. You go and have a shower. You come back. You're feeling a little better. You're still off. But then we can actually have a conversation about it. Mm. And that has been seeing that in you and experiencing how that has been helpful is has what as well as, you know, conflicts that we've had when it came came to venting has really made me realize I need to try and deal with this first because it's also like really good for your self-esteem if you can if you can do all these things to try and make yourself feel better and try and come to the s- solution on your own first that's really cool but if you can't reaching out for help is uh is also I don't think you should feel bad about that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of the time, like vent, the vent that occurs for most people's day to day isn't that big of an issue anyway. Like the problems aren't that big. Sometimes they are. 
but usually they're not if you're like a serial venter. Mm. Um, and so the workout will remove the, the charge that you have behind the problem. Um, so when you do go to have like your daily chat with your partner or your friend and just tell or your housemate and tell them about what's happened throughout the work day, you're not going to come in and just go... <sighs> you won't believe what happened today. And like Sally's a bitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you won't you won't you because like you've already given yourself the outlet by exhausting yourself. And the best part about exercise is it all of a sudden gives you a really really nice clear me- like mental clarity. And you also all of a sudden, like, I don't know what it is about moving your body, but then you just realize, like, all of the mental stuff that's happened throughout the day. You're just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, and it, it's, it does obviously matter, yeah. but... It doesn't carry as much weight. It's just like, yeah, moving your body just all of a sudden takes you from your head into your body and you're like, it's this weird, like, almost, like, existential moment where you're like, oh... Life is just meant to be experienced like through through f- the physical and like this is this is what living is really meant to be, you know what I mean? And we've spoken about that before, how um, the fight and flight response of um, being able to like if you're in a stressful situation, you can't run from the problem in that moment. But later on in that day, getting to do exercise allows you to run from the problem or fight the problem in some sense, but like from a... F- a physical standpoint because you feel fear throughout your whole body or or what that tension or stress is always built into us as like a fear response and if so at the end of the day if you if you had a big day or just do this for any day hit a hit a workout at the end of the day that'll allow you to have your fight and flight response cycle completely finished Mm -hmm. and it'll allow you to then remove the stress from your body mm-hmm. and then you get that that peace that kind of peace feeling mm-hmm. um, and then you can literally let your day predominantly go um, and then have that conversation about all the interesting things that happen with your partner and yeah it'll it'll flow so much nicer mm-hmm. um, so I would say that's like the best way to um, vent if you're going to vent. Yeah. choose to vent yeah everyone vents but like at some point at some point yes um yeah I wanted to touch on I guess the my what I call my emotional support toolkit so it's pretty much the things that I do that genuinely help me move through emotion and sometimes I'll like it'll just be exercise and sometimes exercise yes helps but then I'll I'll probably need something a little extra like crying and I've, I wrote down cry times 10 because <laughs> I'm a huge crier. I'm a huge advocate for crying as a release and then, like, at some point understanding I can let go. So, you know, a crying exercise is huge, especially high-intensity exercise, especially if you're angry or stressed or anxious. Like, you're in, like Chaz said, that, like, fight or flight state and sometimes in that freeze state. So that's really helpful too. I'll meditate, but it's not just like sitting down and going like, um, I'll actually do an inner child visualization. So I'll imagine that a younger version of me, and it can be different ages each time, 
is stepping forward with the same problems that I have. And there, you're very distracting right now. <laughs> Chaz is just doing like hip thrusts. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm so distracted. <laughs> my back's a little sore. Um, yeah, the, the child of version of me might be like five or eight and they're coming to me with the same problem. And so as an adult looking at my inner child, I'm like, okay, what is it that this child needs right now? This child needs to be heard, for example. And that usually comes back down to the... And so I will just listen to the child version of me, which is literally just me imagining I'm a child and expressing my emotions and then imagining myself also holding that child and, you know, asking what is it that you need right now? Because it's so much easier to have compassion for a child. And that's especially for me personally. So that's, that's another really helpful tool. I will journal as well. You can do vent journaling. So just journaling out all your emotions and what's happened through your day. Um, But also is what is helpful is asking questions like, what is another perspective that I could have? Like once you've done your venting through your journaling as well. And lastly, my favorite one is having a good old fashioned nap. (laughs) Usually if it's like a sad or anxious or even if I'm stressed but I'm tired napping can sometimes fix pretty much everything and so I'll do also a combination of those tools to help me process my emotions and then if if it's really still bothering me if I've had a good night's sleep and it's still getting to me I will go to Chaz and I'll be like I need your help I need your help with the situation or I need your help ship help me move this shit or I'm feeling this way it's interesting you choose nap because uh, I think a lot of people when they would have heard nap and me too, like if I'm in a stressful state, I'm not going to really be able to nap. Um, well, like but said, you have to do all the other things first is what you're saying before you go to nap. Yes and no, it depends. Like if I'm if I am exhausted and drained and I've had something stressful happen, but m- my exhaustion is like way more intense than my stress response Mm. then a nap is helpful it's not going to get rid of the stress but it's going to alleviate some of the tension that I have there because having a conversation when you're stressed versus having a conversation when you're stressed and exhausted the latter is just chaos yeah you're effectively a toddler trying to refuse nap time and you're just like I'm hungry. And then you give them food and they're like, I don't want it. Yeah. Like, Are you tired? And they're like, no. But they're like rubbing their eyes. And yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah, like, that makes sense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, there was something else that I wanted to say. But I think you pretty much covered it, which was, you know, holding space for the – the person who's venting. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't even require a response. You just literally and uh sometimes this happens especially if you have like a stressful term. We might be in the car and you you just need to say this stuff and I'm I'm attentive, I'm present. Okay, that I think they are the most important things for a person listening. Whether you're the venter listening to your partner vent or you're just the person who is always listening just being present and attentive and showing the person that like I am actually right here 
and and sometimes all I'll the, all the response I'll give you is just like a, a confirmation that I'm listening and sometimes that's all you need and that's enough and that's perfect yeah too agreed but yeah it's interesting because it when you're talking about you know situations of partners venting it can easily become conflict and it's a tricky line talking about it because at some point you're talking about um, emotional support and and partner connection but then on the other hand you can easily dive into conflict resolution so we actually did a podcast on conflict resolution it was episode 19 Mm. um you and i together so if you haven't listened to that go check that out because that can be really helpful as well um if you get to that state where you just can't yeah just can't move past neither of you are listening to each other or whatever do you remember that uh what was what did we do last night it was funny uh we we saw it on like some stand-up comedy special no, we're watching a movie. We're watching a movie, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was what did she do on okay. the movie? So it was uh, as going the distance with uh, Justin Long and Leighton Meester, and Justin Long are dating, and she's like, "It's her birthday," and she's like, "Thanks for the takeout," and now. He's like oh, about to take her to the bedroom. As like, <laughs> kind of like you know, expectantly birthday present. birthday present. And she's like, "I'm ready for you to give me my birthday present now." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> I didn't get you a birthday present." And then she she gets like upset and mad about. It. And he's like, "But you said not to get you a present." Yeah, go on. And then what does she say? She replies back. She's like. I said that only because I wanted you to get me the best birthday present ever, but I didn't want to be the girl who asked for a birthday present. <laughs> yeah. And it was just so funny. But then, like, the l- later... exact same time, actually. <laughs> yeah, like, a, we were still watching the movie. Only, like, a couple of minutes later, I get up. I go get myself, like, this uh, Ash-friendly ice cream. And I sit down with it. And she's like, you get me some? And I was like... You literally told me five minutes ago that you didn't want any ice cream because it made you feel sick the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you just did the thing on the movie to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was funny. That was so funny. I, I pissed myself yeah. calling you out on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, girls do be like that sometimes. Yeah, I forgot that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Uh. Uh. No, that was that was great. Highly recommend the movie. We still got to finish it, actually. Going the distance. I, I'm sure I've seen it before, but yeah. it seems so fresh to me as well. It's also really cool watching a movie like that that came out when we were like early teenagers, and we couldn't really relate to the characters, and the characters seem old. And now that we're watching it, they're very close to our age, and it's also more relatable. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, we're almost thirty now, so. Well, I, I'm definitely getting close. Yeah, you old fart. Hey. <laughs> I've still got two years and ten months. Yeah, it's okay. We're not that far apart in age. Yeah. Yeah, but no, that is interesting. It, it, it's so cool. I'm, I'm like almost... I almost like really hate re-watching movies. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person that just doesn't want to re-watch movies i've seen before because mm. i feel like they're not gonna surprise me again yeah but it, you're you're 100 right like watching movies that were made for like a certain age range and then re-watching them again when you hit that age range you just it's just so much more relatable and you're like ah oh, this makes so much more sense now mm-hmm. 
And it's going to just keep happening like that. So I think we're going to get to appreciate more and more movies as we get older by revisiting again. But there's so much content coming out 24-7 that you can't really keep up. Like I'm like, oh, why would I rewatch something when I could watch this new movie? Although Netflix movies seem like they don't hit as hard. I know exactly the movies we'll be watching as we get older. And I, I have a specific movie in mind. This is 40 with Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. First of all, any Judd Apatow movie I think is going to be like, it's just going to hit the nail on the head from our 30s to our 50s. Yeah, you're not a big fan of him right now, are you? What? Why am I not a big fan of Judd Apatow? I don't know. You're thinking about that guy last night, Jason oh, Sudeikis. Okay. Yeah, different people. Judd Apatow's a director, but his wife is Leslie Mann and she's in it. She's just so funny. But they're all very related to like... Early mum life. Early mum life and like dealing with kids. And it's funny to watch, but I still don't quite understand it. So it's going to be fucking hilarious when we actually have kids. Yeah. 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 Relatable. Yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll be in uh, Lycra into cycling. <laughs> That's a good, I actually really enjoyed that movie as a 20 year old. Oh, I thought you were going to say you really enjoy cyclists. <laughs> do it up front, you, baby. You do have a booty for it. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I like my upper body too much. Mm, oh, yeah. You, have, you get real skinny, don't you? You're a real skinner. I reckon I could, uh, I could get into mowing lawns, but there would be like a certain, like, you know, when you just you get into that dad mode and you just like you mow your lawn on a Sunday and you've got like those nice freshly cut lines in your lawn, mm. you're standing on your porch, you're sipping a beer, mm. your kids are like playing on the tricycle just out front. Secretly judging everybody else's lawns, yeah. <laughs> feeling superior. You're like, come on, Gary. <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three kids and my lawn's better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it would be fun, like, just having, I don't know, anytime I drive, I'm already, like, driving past people's houses, and when I see, like, some nice lawn, I'm like, oof, I want that nice lawn. Yeah, but do you know how they get that real nice lawn? Oh, well, like, if you, look, if you're going to start thinking about that, then it's not worth it, because life, life is just everything eating everything. Um, I'm willing. I was just about to talk about pesticides, and that's how people get that real nice lawn, just... It's true, but life is about beauty, right? Witnessing the beauty in all things. And if lawn is I just... I love beauty. Mwah, it's, it's an art piece, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to sacrifice a lamb. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to sacrifice a lamb to save the village. <laughs> Make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> What? It's of a movie because it does. It's funny because it, it doesn't make, make sense. sense. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was there something that you wanted to share? Um. Well, you were kind of asking me about how I've kind of been making like reflection notes lately, um, and I like to me they're not really reflection notes, but I think it's also my inner teacher just coming out. Um, I tend to just set questions of intention. Mm. And so uh, the way I kind of, I guess, dive into my own self-development is I will, I will pose questions to myself and ask myself, 
why can I not, I guess, be better in some sense in a certain area and pose the question um, and then just kind of stew on the thought um, and not for long. I'll move like in the, in the moment I'll stew on it for a little bit, but then I'll just like kind of have that in the background of my mind throughout my daily living and then just when those situations arise, I, I kind of have my notes flick back into my head and then I try and be the better person in that moment in answering the question. Um, and so like, for instance, the, the last questions that I had put down, um, for my own reflection notes, uh, was, uh, like the first one was, how can I have a better, less frustrating sexual relationship? Right. And I'm sure like almost every guy goes through kind of that. Not just guys. Well, yeah. Girls too. I'm sure, I'm sure girls too, but I feel like it's probably a, a bigger issue for guys anyway. Um, Probably just, more common. Well, yeah. And thank you for saying the same thing I'm saying in three different ways. <laughs> Are you just annoyed because you had a conversation with your dad this morning and he does the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is your patience level is low. Yeah, I guess because sometimes when I have a conversation with my dad, he like I've been given him the foreign pass, like because he's foreign, he can't get yeah, his English words out properly. He, English is his second language. And so a lot of the time he doesn't get his meaning across um, in a conversation quite the way he, I think, wants to. Mm. But in all honesty, I think sometimes it could just also be the fact that he's not listening hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, but like I do say a lot of things in rapid fire sometimes. So um, that could also be my delivery in in just flooding him with information. But even like your awareness of that whole situation right now is a reflection of like the intention, one of the intentions that you set, which is like, I guess, just in general to be a more understanding. Yeah, so I'll keep going through my... um, I guess, questions that I've asked myself. Um, and so the the next one, the last recent one, or the last recent ones I wrote down was, uh, I want to react with kindness and patience and love to my wife. Um, so that was just more of an intention rather than a question. Um, but like also I want to do that in, in all facets. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one was a question. Uh, it was, why do I take offense to being misunderstood? Can I not find the joy in any reply and just be curious? Um, and so, yeah, and again, like perfect example of having that conversation with my dad um, and just like he often doesn't seem to understand what I might actually be saying or at the same time is just saying what I just said back to me in reflection but as if he wasn't aware that was what I was saying in the first place. However, I could just, instead of anal- overanalyzing what he's saying, I could just okay. try and be curious with his his point of view and what he's trying to relay back to me mm-hmm. and, just, and just talk to that. Uh-huh. Um, I guess <laughs> when I think about it, a lot of the time I'm having a conversation because I have a clear goal in the end in mind. And oh, like we're trying to control the conversation. We're pulling away from where I was trying to end up. And yeah. so I'm like, no, come back to the actual purpose of what we're trying to say here. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that might be just because teacher brain kicks in and I'm so used to just having like a start and an end to where we're supposed to be yeah. with wherever I'm guiding everyone. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's unfortunate conditioning I'm 
they're going to have to live through. <laughs> a lot of people do that, though. And that's why two people also get in, partners as well, get into disagreements because they're trying to have a conversation. And this has happened between us in the beginning before. I'd try and have a conversation with you and I wanted to talk about this specific thing and you kept derailing the conversation to talk about other things. And then I would get frustrated because I'm like, I'm not finished talking about this thing. And you cut me off. <laughs> and then you'd be like, but why does it have to go like that? Why can't we just talk about this? And it just ends up in like a huge conflict well yeah and i think that is probably the biggest reason why human beings love have having social lubricants um to guide and help conversations just have a more flowy effect like alcohol is a perfect example of that when you add alcohol to a conversation people care less about where the conversation's going and they seem to have more actual curiosity in each other's points and and they're just like more excited and more childlike and more curious about everything and so therefore and you don't really have an end goal in mind when you're drunk you're just like ah let's do anything so it it, that also helps so i think that would be a great thing for me to write down as well um i guess it is kind of exactly what that point says but um just being curious and where the conversation might actually go and rather than being stuck with where i wanted it to go or where you want it to go um the ne- a, i think that's a huge one in general i i can resonate with that as well agreed um and then the next one was do i engage in debate too passionately and can i make strong points without um increasing intensity that might demean others or seem demeaning to others um, a lot of the time i'll have conversations with people um and uh, even with close friends and when I have like those those debates about like heavy topics, um, I, I can like be loud it and is- intense. And so I, I, I'm also like, do I, do I need to get that loud and intense? Um, sometimes it's kind of necessary because I'm like the one guy debating against like six or seven other people. You think um, that's necessary? Well, just because like you have to like stretch your voice across like a further Mm -hmm. distance and so you're just like you're making up for that but it's not always necessary so that's why i wrote it down Mm -hmm. um and then the last one was more of just a statement and it was like you don't know all things yet i have an opinion on them and so that again was just like kind of pointing to why can't you just be more curious Mm. um which will make a a big difference Mm mm-hmm I think everyone could use a bit more curiosity and I love and I I just this morning actually made intentions for myself as well and I I actually think that's why I pull cards every morning is because it's actually setting intentions for my day but if you have overarching intentions for like this period of your life it can actually help guide you towards the person that you want to be or the the friendships and relationships that you want to have like for me one of the intentions that I set was um, it was a loving boundary and it was people in having people in my life of my kind of energy or above so what I meant by that was you know attracting or um, inviting people to hang out that are you know are curious and are can be silly and have a certain like have my level of awareness or a higher level of awareness like so I intentionally choosing to create a social environment around me that is aligned with 
like my values. So I'm, I'm going to, in setting that intention, I'm going to be more aware of people that I meet that are like that way because it's in your field of awareness. Like I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, humans always want to have some kind of cultural norm to kind of surround themselves by. Like what you're describing is creating a culture within your friend group, right? And mm. so you're kind of bringing in people that also adopt a similar culture. It's just funny to me because I've been thinking about this lately, the word culture and how important it is. Um, and like everything has culture. Like that's the whole reason why big companies have branding and they have slogans and they're trying to tell you what they're all about to align you to their culture. Mm -hmm. um, but I also find it very interesting, the irony of how scared people are of the word cult. Mm. But all a cult is, is you being cultivated into a culture that aligns to your values, mm -hmm. right? And so we're a part of many, 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 many cults. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but... It's just funny that like we instinctively want to be part of a certain certain type of culture, mm -hmm. but we're so like as a, a the modern society just like looks upon like the the word cult with just this disgust and fear, mm -hmm. and it's just like there's so many like poor connotations like associated with that word, and like oh they must be just sleeping with each other's wives and things like that. And it's like oh hold up, like no, just oh, they're trying to brainwash you. Yeah, yeah. but it's like well you're in like it's your choice. Your user bias is constantly brainwashing yourself into like your Literally. own own values and boxes that you want to be in anyway. Like that's exactly what Ashley's describing there. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be around more people with a similar mindset to you. The thing is you have to also actively be aware that there's people outside of that that you're going to you're going with. yeah, people outside of that that you're going to interact with and they exist. Mm -hmm. And not everyone's going to think like you and those people's wants and values are just as important to them mm -hmm. as it is to you mm -hmm. and that's the one thing you have to keep in mind mm. thank you for the therapy session Chaz. <laughs> i and that is a problem within our society as well which also a funny word because society is social social mm. society um we have a very low tolerance for people that are that disagree with us or have values that are outside our realm of values. And what my intention is with this intention is to the people that I'm close with, that I have close connections with, to invite more of those people that have the same kind of values as me into my close circle and understanding that in my broader circle, I'm going to have a mixed bag of fish. Is that the term? Mixed kettle of fish? Which is actually really important because that's how you learn new things. That's how you get diversity. If where people's idea of cults is an issue, for instance, think of like the Manson, Charles Manson, right? Isolated, really no kind of outside communication, kind of like Amish as well, though they do have some outside communication. They're all same ideologies taught by the same leaders. They're all stuck there. And so when you don't have like kind of new information and change coming in, that's where people get scared. I think when it comes to cults. So <laughs> bit of a derail there, but yeah, that's my intention. And it doesn't mean that I'm not going to have people that aren't like that within my life. That's where you become isolated and 
that is a part of life that is just not what life is about to be isolated. Yeah, the saddest people are isolated people, yep. 100%. And everyone's trying to find their way into whatever their little cult is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, uh, like people people on the outside of some kind of culture are always looking in and judging the in. But really, like in some sense, they're... they're own insecurities is what what's fueling that judgment and the fact that maybe they're not on the inside mm-hmm. is is um or like they're scared that they're missing out on whatever that might be on the inside but they haven't admitted that yet mm-hmm. um and so like in some sense they're actually curious about what it is and that judgment is a masking of curi- curiosity mm-hmm. um I, well possibly i don't know i'm just theorizing well, it's, it's a protective mechanism yeah um and again, or they just like the values are just so completely different to what you're into that you're just like, I don't know how people could even live like that. Um, I had an interesting statement to Ashley, um, or, or not really a statement. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Jordan Peterson on it, and he was kind of saying, well, wasn't he? He wasn't saying his guest was saying it. Um, and there's some things in life that unless you fully commit to them and have like some kind of leap of faith jumping into them, you'll never be able to experience the full extent to which you want from whatever that thing is Um, and, and like almost have like that enlightenment or like the ultimate gratification from it. And the perfect example of that is is marriage. So if you're someone who's going to get married or plans to to get married and but you go into a marriage and you haven't yet fully decided that, yes, 100% I'm committed to this person for the rest of my life, you're still like you just kind of went along with it because you thought that was the the right social thing to do and you didn't want to like hurt that person's feelings or whatever. You weren't quite ready yet. Um, and or again, even those thoughts in itself are, are the issue with the problem. Um, but however, if you went into if you went into this relationship. relationship with this person and then decided to marry that person, and you jumped into it, and you're like, no, no matter what's going to happen, I'm locked into this person for the rest of my life. You fully commit that this is going to be the only person you're going to spend your your i guess loving relationship with in that context romantically forever that's the only way you're going to ever figure out whether marriage is like having the greatest marriage ever is actually possible mm-hmm. if you go into it and you're still kind of like hmm, huh, maybe the there's fence. other things out there other than this for me and you're sitting on that fence you will never ever 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 be able to actually have the greatest marriage ever. Yeah, because you're, you're in and out. You're not fully committed. Yeah, and so you might be married, but you won't have the greatest marriage. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. And so you have to take that leap of faith in committing to that person forever through thick and thin, from, through the hardest times, the best times. And by doing that is what's going to allow you to actually reach that point of just ultimate bliss in some sense right there's obviously going to be horrible things that happen as well and like you're going to have to grieve through things together as well but you're committed and that that strength and that commitment to each other is what's going to give you the actual um scope 
over over the full spectrum of how beautiful marriage can actually be. But you can only see that full scope by jumping in the leap of faith to being in the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't take that leap of faith, you'll never be able to fully see that scope. And so that's the other thing as well. So some things require you to take a leap of faith before you can completely see the full picture. And that's a scary thing because there's only so much time in your life and you won't be able to jump into everything full wholeheartedly. You're going to have to choose what those things are going to be and then go for glory in them. A great example is the movie last night going the distance these two (laughs) these two you know they meet and like they're like they're friends and they're partners and it's so good but they work on opposite sides of america and they're both invested in their career and they're both trying to make their career work but long distance relationship is not working and they're at a crossroads in so many ways it's complex but you know what are they going to choose as a team? Are they going to choose their careers, which possibly means at the end of their relationship because it's not working, or are they going to choose their relationship and is someone going to sacrifice their career in leap in a leap of faith for the possibility that this person is the person that they're going to spend their entire lives with and just have the most incredible life with? And I, we even, I even kind of went through that when we got engaged. It really questioned, put into question my commitment. I was like, holy shit, this is huge. I've said yes, but like I'm, I'm still, this is really scary. And in getting married, it, it made me, it really made me choose. Do I, am I going to go the whole hog. Am I going to commit or am I not? And I chose to commit. And it was at a time where I was very emotional and I felt unstable and I was scared. And it now I can say in hindsight, yeah, in hindsight, it was the best decision I ever made because we, even in this, this past few weeks have just like connected on such a deeper level and experienced levels of love that I didn't feel like actually were real and so yeah I I took a leap of faith and it paid out in the long run and that was because I fully committed my entire being to it as well it wasn't just saying yes it wasn't just getting married it was like everything else as well and the leap of faith is supposed to be absolutely terrifying it is because it could completely fuck up in your face Mm -hmm. and if that happens to you the hardest thing about it is is you have to have the courage to be able to do it again because you will never get to the point in life where you will get to experience the utmost just purposefulness that life is supposed to bring if you don't keep trying to take the leap because mm-hmm. otherwise you yeah you'll you'll just you'll be you'll be forever in in no man's land and uh, it's a funny we were having a conversation at work with one of my work colleagues and um, he said this line to me because we were talking about people who just like can't choose either side. And he's like, have you ever heard of the saying, how's that fence you're sitting on? 
And if you just like visualize what it would feel like to have your like ass cheeks in between <laughs> each side of a fence. Oh, my coot. <laughs> well, that's effectively where you're putting your life. It's just yeah. in this like limbo of just like your ass cheeks on either side of the fence. I'd rather have my butt impaled by a wooden fence than choose a side. <laughs> 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 Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, metaphorically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so but, yeah. that's an interesting one as well. Yeah, that's an interesting question to pose in, in many areas of your life, you know, like and it comes back to I think two episodes ago I talk about like you're finding what your why is your purpose and your values and like what's your your core value and my core value to me is family and love and so in not even knowing that back when I had said yes to you proposing and choosing to get married I was actually taking a leap of faith into a world a potential world that aligned with what I valued and even if it didn't work out which it has yeah I I don't know yeah it's a scary thought because to me my if if it didn't work out and or if I if I had chosen to walk away I would have given up without knowing if it could have worked out yeah well, it's um, well, uh, sort of. I was I was gonna say it's kind of like the uh, what I was talking about the other day, like the Exodus story. We do not have time to get into that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We don't. We, no, we won't get into it. It's okay. I no. think we don't have time. Okay, we don't have time. We don't. She's being very aggressive with me. <laughs> Because Chaz doesn't seem to understand that when this timer runs out, the, it will stop recording. No, I believe you. All and right, it's always it at like the 49th minute. You're like, oh, and I've got another idea. And I'm like, Chaz, <laughs> I'm the timekeeper. Oh, this was a really cool episode. Thanks thanks for bringing your stories on and shit. <laughs> Gangster ass signing <laughs> off. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Words to <of> your mother. <laughs> As promised, if we pick a topic that a listener has suggested or asked for, then I will pull a card for them. So today I pulled, I was called to pull from an old deck of mine that I don't really pull from anymore, but I, it has a soft spot in my heart and it's the Chakra Wisdom Oracle Guidebook. And the card that I pulled is called Discovery. So when I first picked this card up I whether or not I'm picking this up or it's just a past experience of mine this card is all about the journey of going inwards but it's not like you need to do that more it's more of the fact that you're already doing so much and sometimes when you try to force your way into learning and growth it's actually counteracting any growth that can actually occur and so you have to look at the intention of why am I doing this work why am I going inwards what is the purpose of this what is my intention and if your intention is is pure which it can feel like it is if you're like well I just want to learn I just want to grow I just want to be better is that coming from a place of love 
because sometimes that comes from a place of just wanting to be the best there is. And sometimes it actually comes from like an ego place. And we all do this too, especially it's huge in the self-development community. Um, at, you know, running away from emotions and, and um, running away from circumstances, avoiding certain things, which is just a whole nother topic on its own, to be honest. And I feel like I say that every episode, but really like <laughs> it's just a can of worms once you get into this work. So the card tells the story of pink and bear with me here because the way that the story is written is very all over the shop and so I'm just trying to summarize but pink is has this very easy life and he takes his gifts for granted and then one day he loses the love of his life now it's not very specific and in my opinion I believe that she just petunia just leaves pink which then he chooses to go on an inner journey or really it forces him to go on an inner journey, which is very interesting because the card I pulled for myself this morning was the ever unfolding rose. Now, the person I pulled this card for, I'm pretty sure that you have this deck because I know you. <laughs> and that card is all about letting life crack you open. And this is exactly the story that's happening right now in this from this discovery card. Pink is being cracked open through hardship. So in this story, he works really hard on himself and he hopes for another chance to have Petunia again. He's really desperate. And so when he's doing a lot of this work, what he comes to realize is that Petunia is incapable of receiving love and at the end of the day it's something that he has to let go and it has just been a learning opportunity for him to expand his capacity to love so the inquiry questions of this card are are you trying to recapture a past that no longer fits and are you keeping something within your life that is less than you deserve so really coming back to you know, what's the intention behind what you're doing? And at the end of the day, to me, this is just my personal opinion, but the intention behind everything needs to be love. If we want to live this beautiful, miraculous life, and that is regardless of whether we're in our high moments or our low moments and coming back to that that place. What's also interesting is that this card is red, so it's very much in the root chakra so it it might even be about feeling a bit of instability or instability around who you are or who you're you're becoming or who you were or no longer identifying with who you were um and, and you know root root chakra and the red is has a lot to do with stability and security in our you know in our home environment so sometimes too if we're in a relationship our partner is part of our home and if something needs to change there if growth needs to happen or if one person is growing and the other person isn't that's when a lot of conflict can come up and so it doesn't necessarily mean that people need to break up but it's an opportunity for both of you to come back together in a more loving space and say this isn't working this is what needs to happen 
So I know that's a lot (laughs) in one card, but that's what wanted to come out today. So if you have any suggestions for podcast topics and you would like a card pulled, please feel free to message me on my personal Instagram, Ash Lopez Ebo. I hope that card resonated for you in the most loving way. If it did, I'd love to hear from any of you. And I'll see you next time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's my new outro. <laughs>